what you have and hold in your hands is not just 66 individual books, it's actually one, one story. Welcome to Working with the Word, a weekly podcast designed to equip you with the skills and confidence for deeper daily Bible study. I'm Emerson Brown, and I want to thank you for listening today. We have a very special interview to share with you here in episode 41. I commend to you this conversation I had with a good friend of mine, Jerome Sasanecki, a few weeks ago. We talked about the Bible for beginners, and it's full of great insights. I know that it will be a help to you or maybe someone that you know. Take a listen. Hello there. This is Emerson, co-host of Working with the Word. Unfortunately, Jeff is not able to join us today. He is not feeling well, but I'm excited to have Jerome Sasanecki with me. Jerome is a, a Christian, a, a Bible teacher, a preacher for the church in Dulles, Virginia, in the D.C. area, and he's also a good friend of mine. Jerome co-hosts the Reconciled podcast and has a unique gift for teaching the Bible in a fresh and inspiring way, and he has, just has a gift for connecting with people. Jerome, thanks for being with me today. Hey, Emerson. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, glad to have you today. Let's get right into what we're going to talk about today title of this episode is The Bible for Beginners. Most of the episodes we've done on this show so far have assumed that our audience has a little bit of background in the Bible already. For instance, we just got done with a, a series in the book of Zephaniah, and you talk about a beginner. That's not necessarily a book that you just want to begin with if you're trying to approach the Bible for the first time. But we want to shift gears today and talk about if someone is just picking up the Bible for the very first time, or maybe they've heard a little bit about it, but they've never really studied it or read it for themselves. How, how could we help someone in that situation with very or little no experience, just start studying it and reading it and understanding it for themselves? So let's get started with this question. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where your journey began as a Bible student. Sure. So uh, I grew up not knowing hardly anything about the Bible. I think uh, your description there at the beginning was very much my experience. You know, I had heard what maybe other people said about Christianity. And of course, a lot of that is um, critical of the Christian faith and, and the, the church. So I had a lot of different ideas about, you know, what, what the Bible is and what it's about and what who Jesus is and the whole Christian faith, but really I was not interested in it at all until uh, my early twenties and my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, uh, we were planning on getting married and it was in that process that we actually began to visit different congregations and hear the word of God preached. So my first real exposure to the Bible was in listening to sermons and Bible classes. And then, um, you know, that was, it had its own challenges there, but then of course that would spark buying a Bible. I remember going to Barnes and Noble <laughs> looking, I was like, okay, I have to get a Bible now and look at all these different Bibles and which <laughs> ones are 
statue. So I remember doing that together. We had, we bought a new American standard Bible. I still have it. So my experience was very, very little, very much a beginner. I was an art student. So um, much of what I knew or thought I knew about Christianity was based on like Renaissance or Baroque paintings <laughs> that were commissioned okay. by the Catholic church. So I knew uh, like who the apostle Paul was. I knew some of the apostles and had an idea of maybe what uh, Jesus looked like, even though that probably wasn't accurate at all from those paintings. So very little, very little experience, definitely a beginner. So um, I first became a student of the Bible through, through that hearing the Bible preached for the very first time and trying to follow along in the scriptures, which was really hard for me to do because I didn't know, for instance, where the book of Colossians is. I didn't know how to find that, you know? So very much a, a beginner. Thankfully, I had a friend, uh, his name is Stephen Etheridge, and dear friend of mine, a Christian, who was, he was my introduction to, to the faith. He's the person I went to this congregation with, and he was there to field questions and help me navigate through the scriptures. And I was also part of a, uh, Bible study, a small group Bible study, where for the very first time we looked at a book of the Bible and we simply read through it and we discussed it. And that was absolutely invaluable. So early 20s is when I first started studying the Bible, reading the Bible and, and studying it on my own. So what would you say were your first impressions when you actually encountered the Bible itself, and not just hearing things said about it, but like whenever you would go and hear sermons or a small group Bible study, like what was your first impression of the Bible in that those kind of contexts? Yeah, uh, well, it was weird. Is I mean, totally weird because I didn't really have an accurate concept of Christianity before, so I tried to come at it just just let me listen. Let me, what is, what is this about? You know, and these concepts that were being talked about, or even the literary style was completely foreign. So I know I'd read lots of books before, but when you read the Bible, you know, some of these documents are 3000 years old. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a huge challenge for me to step into that world, the ancient world, where strange things are happening that don't make any sense to my modern mind. You know, if a guy is sad, he tears his clothes. You know, he, he uh, sits in a pile of ashes and shaves his head. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. So I have to have these kinds of things explained to me about these, these cultural things, these things that I would have to understand historically, the different literary styles. I remember thinking, uh, well, I'm going to start reading the Bible. So I just open up, right? The New Testament, open up Matthew. And Matthew begins with a genealogy. <laughs> and it's all these, all these names I don't even know how to pronounce. And I'm thinking, what a strange way to start a story. Uh -huh. And of course, it would take a lot of time reading other parts of the Bible to say, oh, you know, Matthew was writing to a primarily Jewish audience. 
And this would actually mean a lot to them to see where the Christ came from. He came from this lineage, you know, going back to Abraham. And so a lot of the Bible study for me at first, it was just stepping into that strange world. I remember in that small Bible study, you know how the teacher would ask like these real softball questions that everyone knew the answer to. Well, Rachel and I never knew the answer to those questions. Uh, the, the guy asked, uh, now, did, did the Israelites offer sacrifices to God? And I said, no. <laughs> and everyone else Because <laughs> I thought, surely that's a pagan thing, right? I didn't understand, had no, had no concept of these things. So a lot of these things were just over the years filling in the blanks. And of course, that comes through just reading, 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 more and more and more, study, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so valuable to, to talk with you about this. I love talking with you about this kind of thing because you can, you're in a very valuable position to help someone who is coming to the Bible for the very first time. You know, I grew up in a context, and so did Jeff. He's not here, but I can speak for him, knowing his family, where the Bible was taught uh, from a very early age. So we were kind of immersed in the Bible from a very early age, but a lot of people are not, and that's okay, you know? And so we, we want, one of the purposes of our podcast is to make sure that everyone knows you can understand the Bible and you can come to it. it it's intimidating sometimes, but if you read it, then you can understand it regardless of what context you come from. Yeah. So let me toss this huge question to you and you do with it what, what you will. <laughs> uh, Open-ended. How would you explain and introduce the Bible to a beginner? Yeah, that is a, that's a big, that's a big open-ended question. But you know, <laughs> I often find my, you know, we often find ourselves in a situation like that where there's someone who maybe doesn't have a background. I guess I would begin with this fact that the Bible is primarily a story. I think that's very important if you have no understanding to understand at least that. And, you know, when you look in the table of contents in your Bible, it's got the Old Testament, it's got the New Testament, and it's got 66 books. And it's important to appreciate each one of those books on its own, right? Dif different writers, writing in different styles, have, you know, their, their audience that they're writing to, but there's, there's narrative and then there's poetry and there's the, there's the prophets, which is, you know, this strange other world. And then there's the gospels and the letters. And so it's easy then to be confused by all of that. But I think the main thing is to understand that Though there are these different authors, though there are these different books, if you look at it as a whole, they're forming one narrative. And when you become a student of the Bible, then you can begin to see these pieces being put together in this narrative. And it begins with, you know, God creating the universe and then how his relationship with humanity and with creation is fractured through sin and then the various elements of the story of how God is restoring that relationship and how he's redeeming his creation. I think that's really helpful then to, to not lose that perspective, you know, of this is a story. 
So then you open the book of Zephaniah or you open the book of, you know, whatever it is, Ecclesiastes. And then you try to fit it. Okay, where is this happening in the story? Uh, how, how does this fit within that narrative? And that can really serve you in the long run, just so you don't get lost, you know, in the trees, so to speak. So it's not just a, a fractured book kind of chunked together with all these different pieces just kind of loosely stitched together. Right. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, and this this gets into the heart of our conviction is that the Bible is God's word, you know, that the scriptures are uh, God breathed. And though the human authors wrote them, um, there is one spirit, God's spirit, who superintends the writing of, of all of those writers so that what you have and hold in your hands is not just 66 individual books. It's actually one, one story. And that's one of the great things about studying the Bible is you can't, <laughs> you can't understand everything all at once, you know? And so don't be discouraged. Just pick up what you can. I mean, I remember when I, when I first became a Christian thinking, I got to, you know, I knew enough to become, a, I knew enough that, that I needed to become a Christian. And then it was, okay, now I'm going to, I'm devoting my life to God. And I believe the Bible is God's word. Now I have, I have to read this thing through. I had read parts of it. I haven't read the whole thing through. And so on my lunch break at work, I would just read it. And it, I didn't understand much of what I was reading, but I just forced myself to begin in Genesis and just read the whole thing. And I did it. But you don't realize how much your mind is picking up along the way. And so then, uh, you know, you're, you, you do that all the time. You have that regular routine. And you, your mind starts putting those pieces together. And all of this, of course, is helped by the fact, uh, hopefully, that you are engaged in a local church community that is devoted to following the scriptures, teaching and preaching the scriptures, expounding them, helping to explain them and applying them. And you don't realize really how much you're growing. And then, you know, years later, when you were first all discouraged, you're reading through Matthew and you can't pronounce the names in gene genealogy, <laughs> years later, you look back and you say, oh, I, I just answered that question that someone asked me. I didn't realize I knew that. Mm -hmm. you, you do gain a lot of knowledge that way. Yeah. So here, here's another big question, and it, it's one that is really uh, prevalent today, and it's a very good question. Maybe if someone decides, okay, I want to I wanna read the Bible, but I, I'm not sure that I can actually trust it. We, our conviction as Christians is that the Bible is from God, that it is inspired, God-breathed, and actually reliable. But if you are talking to someone who um, is wondering, well, how, how do we know that? How would you instill in them or at least encourage them to investigate um, that the Bible is trustworthy and reliable? Yeah. Um, number one, I would encourage them to read it. I think many times when I'm fielding that question, um, it's coming from a place of just criticism, but it's, it's criticism that it's not really thought through all the way. 
and that's, that's okay, you know, but I would encourage somebody who has criticisms to go ahead and read it. It would be unfair for someone to criticize something if they've never given it a chance. You know, we do that with our kids who say, I don't like that. Well, uh, on your plate, I don't like broccoli. Well, you know, you've never tried it, right? <laughs> so um, a lot of the times people, and this is, the, I'll just speak for myself. I won't speak for other people. With me, I criticize the Bible. I criticize Christianity and I criticize Christians because I heard other people do it and they sounded very smart, right? I hadn't actually gone and done the research. I hadn't actually ever read the Bible. I hadn't actually ever tried to, to develop relationships with, with other Christians. And so I was coming from a place of, of ignorance. And I know that there are, there are actually really honest skeptics out there who, who have done some research and, and they're skeptical. But some of the time it is coming from a place of, well, I've just always heard this about Christianity. I've always heard this about scripture that all oh, these are just documents that, that are written by men or they've been tampered with over the years. So number one, I would say, why don't you pick it up and, and read it and tell me what you think of it, you know? Try to read it honestly and say, what do you think of Jesus? You know, when you hear him teach in the Sermon on the Mount, what do you think about those ethics? What do you think about the way he treats people? Um, that would be the first thing. And then the second thing, if you then read it and you still have those questions, and those are those are good questions. You know, can I trust that these documents are accurate, are true? Then you can do the research. And this is something that's helped me a great deal and to develop my faith and my trust in the scriptures is to, there's, there's so much, so much here for anyone who's interested to see these documents are not forged they've not been tampered with. And so most of the translations, the, at least the common ones that we get are, are really, really good translations. Um, sometimes we think, uh, well, you know, let's just take the New Testament, for example. I wanna read the gospel of, of Mark or something like that. How do we know that these things happen? How do we know that these documents are trustworthy? Well, the only way to find out is, you know, we think we're, we're separated 2,000 years, you know, from these documents and, and a lot can happen over 2,000 years, right? Trend, transmission and there'll be errors, scribal errors. And you, you have an error. If you have an error in the year uh, AD 100, well, then you extrapolate that out and it could be way worse by the time we're reading. it. Well, really, that's not the case at all because we have Greek manuscripts, right, written in the original language that are copies, you know, the manuscripts have to come from somewhere and they are copies of an original. And there are these, this great area of study called textual criticism. And there are people whose job it is to handle these Greek manuscripts and they actually check them one against the other. And by the way, there are thousands thousands upon thousands of these manuscripts and their job is to determine what did Mark actually write you know they'll take all the manuscripts of Mark they'll compare them against each other and try to get the best translation because there are you know a, a, a scribe might forget to cross a t or dot an i or something like that 
and there are some textual variances there. So their job is to sift through that stuff so that when we pick up our English translations, we're getting the closest thing to it. And through my study of textual criticism, and I'm, I'm not a smart, I'm not smart. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a genius by any stretch of the imagination, but I can read. I can read what, what experts have written on this. And I think it's extremely faith building to say that these documents are certainly not forged. There is too much evidence to call these things into question. Now we might say then, but you know, the gospel of Mark, for instance, it has miracles in it and uh, it has supernatural things. You know, Jesus casting out demons and, and, and walking on water and, and healing the sick. We don't see those kind of things today. Well, that really doesn't matter. It, it, whatever's in the document, whether you like it or agree with it or not, you have to judge it on the same merits as any other historical document. That's just really one area of study, textual criticism. And there's also historical criticism where people say, you know, what's the background of this document historically? What's going on in the world? Uh, and how can we, does it, does it have any historical uh, points in the text that we can, you know, look at other verifiable historical events and we can say, oh yes, you know, Luke was right when he said the Jews were expelled from, from Rome during Emperor Claudius's reign in the book of Acts in chapter 18. And you can say, yes, that's one point of contact with history. And we'll see that those things line up. And literary criticism as well. There are other people who, who look at the texts of the Bible and, and they judge it based on it being literature and how it's put together and how it's formed. But a lot of these people that are doing this research, they're no friend to Christianity. They, they don't necessarily believe that the Bible is the word of God. But what they will say is that these are, these are not forgeries. These are legitimate documents. And so I think that there is, that's just really the tip of the iceberg. But um, number one, to someone who's, who's, a, who's an honest skeptic, read the Bible uh, and tell me what you think. Is, is there wisdom there? What do you think of Christ? Can you see yourself? you know, in these texts? Can you see the beauty of the story? And number two, do the research, you know? And uh, I think that you will be rewarded for doing that. I know you will, if you approach it honestly, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think you and Grant have covered a lot of that in more detail in your, in your podcast, Reconciled podcast. So if you want to check that out, uh, you can, uh, we'll, we'll link that in the show notes because you guys have, have really uh, delved into some of, you know, the deeper part of the iceberg there, talk about how we can trust the documents of the Bible. So uh, kind of the same question, but a different realm uh, in that. Let's say, so someone's picking up the Bible. Okay, I've done some research. I've read it a little bit. Um, I think I can trust this based upon, you know, what I've, what I've read, what I've researched. But this is a thousand plus page book. <laughs> And so how is it possible that I can understand that? How, how would you instill confidence in someone that they can actually understand what's in the Bible? Yeah, um, I would say it, it is so easy to just get, just be overwhelmed by the complexity and by the length, but don't look at it as like this event, you know, that I'm going to, I'm going to understand 
everything there is to understand. It's a process, it's a journey, you know, there's the standard Jewish metaphor of your life being a journey, you know, you're walking on a pathway. And it's important to see your journey of Bible study that way to say, look, I'm going to get started. I'm going to move forward. And um, as long as you're moving forward, that's the important thing. As long as you are opening the scriptures and reading them, that's the important thing. You'll be, you'll grow. You will. A, a good place to begin is the beginning, to begin in Genesis. A lot of the themes in scripture that you see uh, throughout, you know, the Old Testament, the New Testament, you're introduced to those in Genesis. And so you might, you might begin there by reading the, the, the law, you know, Genesis and the first five books of the Bible, and just go on through. If you want to begin in the New Testament, that's fine. That's fine too. Absolutely. But if you, if you begin in the New Testament, you also need to realize you're picking up the story in the middle or near, near the end, I should say, you know, the kind of the climax is what Jesus is the climax is what everything is pointing to and the rest of the new Testament, everything is pointing back to. So you can't go wrong. And I firmly believe we, you know, anybody, anybody can become a Christian. Anybody can understand the Bible and it doesn't matter about your level of, you know, your IQ, how intellectual you are, what academic training you have. Look, some of the guys who wrote the New Testament, they were, they were not trained theologians, you know? Um, they were fishermen. And there are other people who, like Luke or the Apostle Paul, were just extraordinarily brilliant people. So there is the, the wonderful appeal of the Bible is that a child can grasp the story, a child can grasp the significance of, of the story and of Jesus's crucifixion and his resurrection. But even those basic, most simple elements will challenge the most intellectual person. So what I mean to say is it should be encouraging for us who are not geniuses <laughs> that we can understand. Yes. Uh, the Bible, yeah, the Bible is, is written in a way that we can understand. Paul even says so. You know, God revealed these things to me. And when you read these things, you can understand my insight, right? He says, so we can understand. But also as we grow and to those who are geniuses, they'll never grow tired. They'll always be challenged. They'll always uh, have, have, a, have a fresh challenge in the scriptures for them to grapple with. And that's the exciting thing about the Bible. Even the most simplest, the, 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 the most simple concepts continue. I mean, the love of God it has no high, you know, how, how do you measure the, 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 the depths of God's love? And uh, that's the most profound doctrine of the whole Bible. And we'll never understand it fully, but it won't stop us from trying, right? Because yeah. the, more, the more we understand it, the more we'll love God, the more we'll, we'll appreciate his love for us.
so let, let's say someone is starting in Genesis mm-hmm. and they read through Genesis, Exodus, and then they get to Leviticus <laughs> and um, they've, they've taken your advice. I'm going to read the first five books. How, how would they get past the inevitable frustration <laughs> of reading the book of Leviticus and the minute details and trying to put that into this story? Um, you know, how, how do I read Leviticus chapter nine? I, I think it's the passage that talks about the garments or the uh, preparation of Aaron and the priests, uh, you know, to, to serve as, as the priests of God. How can I understand that? You know, I'm not a, I'm not a, a Levitical priest. I'm not a son of Aaron. I'm not an, even an Israelite. So, how, you know, it's just an example. How does someone get past the frustration of taking one part of what you're reading and saying, yeah, you can understand that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I've, I've been there. I remember, I remember reading that. I remember reading Leviticus and just scratching my head and thinking, boy, this is weird. You know, this is <laughs> strange. I don't, I don't quite understand it. I remember reading through the Kings and thinking, I don't recognize any of these names or anything like that. This is, it goes back to being patient with yourself and saying, it's okay. It's okay to read a book and have a lot of questions. It's okay to not understand everything that you've read. Now, that is not an excuse for ignorance. That's not an excuse for, well, I guess I'll never know, you know, but that should hopefully encourage you to say, look, God, he believed it was important for this to be written down. And so this means something. There's no empty space in the Bible. There are no verses that don't matter, right? It's all God breathed and it's all profitable for us to learn how to be the people that God wants us to be. So it could come over a lifetime of, of study where, you know what? All right. So you read through Leviticus, right? And you're challenged by all that kind of stuff, but you know what you soldier through, you trust in God that this is true, that it has a purpose. And next year you're in the book of Hebrews and you just happen to be there. And then you're thinking, Oh, you know, a lot of this is starting to, is starting to, to make sense because the book of Hebrews is then saying Jesus is the fulfillment of that priest of that priesthood. He's not like those Levitical priests. And the, and the Hebrew writer sort of fills in some of those gaps about and summarizes a great deal about the, the tabernacle and about the sacrificial system of the law and how that's all foreshadowing Christ. So Christ is the key when you're studying whatever scripture you're studying. Um, you know, he, in the book of Luke, he has a discussion with his apostles and he says you know all these things have been written about about me these are all about me the law and the prophets they're all pointing us to the savior and so that's another thing that you can keep in your mind is that how does this point to jesus right how is this fulfilled in in christ as you're studying through some of those difficult old testament things and we have the benefit of looking at those at the old testament through the gospel through Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, 
as a way to interpret those things. And that will serve us greatly. We can, we can really understand the big picture that way. I mean, think about, remember the guy, the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, he's in his chariot and he's, and he's just got back from, uh, you know, worshiping God in Jerusalem. He's going back home and he's got the scroll of Isaiah. And uh, lo and behold, Philip, you know, God sends Philip there. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And essentially the guy says, no, not really. <laughs> he says, mm -hmm. uh, how can I understand unless someone helps me? And he's reading this pivotal passage uh, in Isaiah chapter 53 about this suffering servant. He says, is, is Isaiah talking about himself? Is he talking about somebody else? And so it took Philip to then help him to see this is about Christ. And he preached the gospel. This goes back to my friend, Stephen, who I told you about. Bible study, you can study the Bible on your own. You can understand a great deal of things on your own. But also, in addition to that personal Bible study, it is absolutely crucial that you surround yourself with people who love the word of God, who are more mature in their understanding. You know, Steve was always there for me to say, Steve, I don't get this Leviticus stuff. Uh, tell me what, what's going on. And in a very patient way, he would help me to understand those things. And so it's okay, you know, to ask for help. It's okay. In fact, this is God's design for the church, that it would be a community of lifelong learning. That's, you know, discipleship is learning about Jesus and learning how to follow Jesus, learning the discipline of what it means to be a Christian. And where do we, how do we learn how to become a Christian? Well, it's study the scriptures. That's, that's where we learn. This is a huge part of our Christian faith. And so there's just no substitute for having brothers and sisters who will help us to, to work through these things. And of course, the wonderful thing is uh, when everything is working properly, <laughs> a Christian is not going to look at you like you're an idiot when you ask a question. Uh, I remember there's a preacher who, who was preaching the gospel when, I, when Rachel and I first came to become Christians, and I asked him these kinds of questions, and he was so patient. I mean, some of the questions were, I look at them now, and I, I cringe. Oh, that, that was a very bold thing to say, you know, <laughs> but he was so kind. He was so patient because he's a Christian, and he wanted me to, to know the truth. And so Bible study should not just be an individual thing. You also, in addition to that, that's important, but you need to be part of a, of a community of, of believers who also has that conviction. This is, this is the word of God and it's profitable. Yeah. So to kind of recap all of this, the, the Bible is one story. And if you want to understand it, you just got to simply sit down and, and read it with honesty and you can trust the Bible. Um, you can understand it bit by bit as this is a journey. And, and so as using this illustration of a journey, if, if learning the Bible is a road trip, um, in order to be successful on a road trip, you've got to know where you're going at the end, right? You've got to have an end destination. What would be the end destination to this road trip and, and how would someone 
know how to get there? Like what would be the road signs? What would be the, the roads that they would take in order to get to that end destination? Yeah, I think there are many kind of road signs that help you. I don't know if I would have known this at the beginning, but as I understand it now, you know, Bible study is not just an exercise in gaining knowledge. Um, it is that you do gain knowledge and that's important. Knowledge is important. We don't want to be ignorant. Um, we want to we want to be smart, not dumb. And scriptures can help us there. But the thing about the Bible is that the documents are living and active. And as we study the scriptures with an open heart, with an open mind, with honesty and self-reflection, then it becomes an interactive experience. It is not like reading a novel. It is very unlike reading any other book. You can read the scriptures and, and be deeply moved and convicted and it will change your life. And because what's happening when we're reading the scriptures that way, and this is why it's not a matter of intellect, it's a matter of desire. It's a matter of, do we want to know that there is something in Leviticus for me? You know, there is, there is a point to this. And Jesus says, you know, if you're to those who seek, you know, they'll, they'll find, if you knock, it will be open. God will help you. He'll, he'll bring you to that, to that truth. And so to answer your question, then I would say the destination is God himself. The destination is to deepen your relationship with God, because as you study the scriptures, it is not an academic pursuit. It is spiritual. Uh, there's something happening as we do that. You know, in prayer, we can look at prayer as, as our speaking to God. But in the scriptures, God is speaking to us. That's his voice. And so, um, I find it helpful to, to look at it that way, that the end destination, and this is actually where the story is moving anyway, is the reconciliation between God and humanity. And I'm part of that. And so as I study the scriptures, as you study the scriptures, we're getting closer to God. We want to see God more clearly. Um, this is what worship is about, is about acknowledging and honoring God. And bit by bit, we're being changed by that. And studying scripture and reading scripture is a part of that as well, is we're getting to know who God is. He's revealing himself to us in the scriptures. His mind, which would otherwise be hidden, is being revealed, and he's speaking to us. And so the end destination, I guess, would be, yeah, to deepen that relationship with God. And there are all sorts of signposts, of course. You know, you have you have the prophecies in the Old Testament that are all pointing us to that. Then you have the experience, the very uncomfortable experience of the scriptures finding you out. Hmm. Uh, God, rather, God through the scriptures finding you out. And uh, it's very easy to just read the scriptures. If you're reading them academically, well, then, you know, you'll gain knowledge, and, and, but it, it'll be very superficial. But if you're reading them believing that God is, is actually communicating through these, these texts, then you'll start to see your sin. <laughs> you'll start to see, oh man, these Pharisees, you know, I'm actually like them. 
in a lot of ways. You know, I, I can be judgmental like that. And, and then scripture starts to really mess with you. And that's when it becomes when, where the rubber meets the road. You know, am I going to keep on with this? Am I going to, am I going to continue to read and be uncomfortable? Um, but know that as scripture can point out our inadequacies and point out our sin, it also has the answer to that as well in Christ, that uh, it's through him that we can receive forgiveness and mercy. And of course, as we're reading about the Pharisees and we see maybe ourselves in them, there's Jesus saying, I would forgive you, you know, I, I would, uh, I, I would open my wings and, 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 and bring you uh, under under my wings and, and, and give you mercy, you know? Um, so I, I think that that's important that we don't just read it just to gain knowledge, that there is, that there is a spiritual interaction, hap interaction happening in the study of scripture. I think one of the hardest things at the end of the day, when we study the Bible is, is not so much trying to understand the academics of it, you know, what does this phrase mean or mm. how does this fit together with this? But it's dealing with that uncomfortableness that you just talked about, whether you are coming to it for the very first time, or if you've been studying the Bible for 50 years, mm -hmm. um, there should always be that level, level of uncomfortableness. And one of the hardest things is actually to welcome that and to let that happen because that's what it's intended to do. That's right. That's right. Yeah. God wants to transform us. He wants to change us and conform us into the image of his son. We encounter his son through the scriptures. And a lot of that is him telling us we need him. You know, we need him to forgive us. We need him to lift us up. We need the encouragement and hope of, of scripture. We need all that. Yeah. All right. So these are spontaneous questions for you. We didn't give you these in advance. So we want your off the cuff reaction to this. One of the questions we ask almost everybody that we have on the show, the reason we, one of the reasons we started this podcast was because we kept hearing this phrase, deeper Bible study, and it's kind of vague and ambiguous. And we wanted to figure out what that actually means in practical terms. So what does deeper Bible study mean to you? What does that look like? Well, um, I, one of the ways I, I, I have several different ways of, of approaching the text. You know, sometimes I read just for pleasure. Um, I think it's okay to read the Bible for pleasure uh, and to just enjoy it and to marvel at it and see its beauty. Um, sometimes I read for just devotion, you know, going through the Psalms and, and maybe even using some of those words to help me pray through the Psalms. Um, but of course, you know, one of the great blessings I have is I get to uh, teach, you know, from, from the text. And so uh, this is different, you know, when you're studying to teach, um, then I want to know all the answers. I want to at least be able to, to have all the answers. I'm not going to have them all, but I want to be as well informed as I can. So a couple of things I try to do when I approach the text is, first of all, just prayerfully approaching it with the right heart, you know, like we talked about, like we talked about before. Let's not just look at this academically. Let's really believe 
this is God's communication to me. I'm going to be humble. And hey, whatever I learn from this, if it's God's will, I'm going to try to follow it. Before I know what it's teaching, I, I'm going to trust that God knows the right way. And I'm going to, whatever demands Jesus is making on my life, I'm, I'm going to commit to those now, you know. So I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll read a text. And I think it's important, first of all, you read a text a bunch of times. Read it backwards and forwards. Read it with a highlighter. Read it uh, as, as many times as you can in many different ways. Read it quickly. Read it slowly. <laughs> read it from different translations. So read it, read it, read it. And then I'll try to uh, set the text in its context. Say, all right, where is this, where is this happening in the story? You know, say I'm studying the gospel of Matthew or something like that. And okay, well, this is, this is, this is where Jesus is uh, fielding these, these questions that are these Pharisees and scribes and the Sadducees are trying to trip him up, right? Where does this come in the gospel story? Where does it come in the wider biblical narrative, right? I'm going to set it in its, in its context um, because the context in which something is said is actually part of what it means. And so we don't want to ever, ever divorce the wording from its context because we're not ever going to have the proper understanding. Uh, so we wouldn't want someone taking our words out of context, much less as we're approaching God's word, should we take his word out of context. Then I would say, if I have questions, um, because of our conviction that there's one spirit guiding all these different authors, I can then take whatever text I'm studying and I can compare it to other texts, to similar texts maybe, where there are similar themes, or maybe I'm in, if I'm in the gospel of Matthew, I say, does this appear in Mark's gospel or John's gospel? And if it does, what are the differences there and how do they help inform one another? And then another thing I do is um, maybe you would have already done this, but just carefully note the wording of the text. There are no um, empty phrases. Everything is there for a purpose. You know, when people are speaking and writing, it's there for a reason. And so I might note those kinds of things along the way to help me understand. And of course, appreciating the fact that this is inspired, right? That this is God's word. These are not just the words of, of men. And then, of course, at the end, uh, if, I've, if I've done my work of deeper Bible study, then I need to do the harder work of saying, all right, what am I going to do with this? You know, um, so if I'm reading, for instance, something in the book of Acts or something, there's Paul and he's with Barnabas and he's preaching the gospel in some place, Antioch or something like that. I will look at all the characters in that story and say, do I where am I, where do I fit in? You know, can I see myself? Maybe I, maybe I look at it from the, uh, the point of view of the people that are being, being preached to. Do, am I reacting like them? What are their motivations? Maybe I can see myself as the one who's, who's preaching. You know, I can say, well, what, what can I learn from Paul and, and his approach? And what can I learn, uh, from, from Barnabas and his approach? And then if I need to make some changes, then, I need to make some changes. You know, I need to ask God for help in that. So that's kind of how I, the, the deeper Bible study. Of course, you can read for, you can just read. There's a difference between reading and studying, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. doing deeper Bible study, 
then um, I'm going to really slow down, take my time, and some things are worth slowing down for us is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. What is your favorite book of the Bible? You had to pick just one. (laughs) Favorite book of the Bible. I don't know. (laughs) Do people answer this question? Yes. Oh, oh, I don't know. Whatever I'm reading. I don't know. Every week. Good answer. I guess it changes. Um, I, I, uh, I think of the gospels. I don't know why, but I, I, I read Matthew more than the others. I think John is really challenging to me in a lot of ways, which maybe mean it means I need to spend more time in, in John. But, and this is the thing about Bible study. The wonderful thing is um, once you get into it, once you really start peeling back the layers and okay, what's there, what's Paul doing, what's John doing, whatever, you can see the beauty there. And it's, it's, so marvelous and you and you you can appreciate each book on its own uh and then of course it helps you appreciate the whole bible as a whole yeah so sorry i dodged the question (laughs) (laughs) that's okay you can't dodge this one though who's your favorite bible character and you can't say god or jesus you can't say god or jesus um oh can't go wrong here right they're all just so so wonderful I think Paul, I think Paul, you know, one of the things I remember when I, when I moved to Missouri, um, that was just so, I felt like I was on an Island, you know, I felt like, uh, there wasn't many churches around. I was really studying to preach for the first time. I didn't hardly know anything. And for whatever reason, I remember studying through second Corinthians. And I remember just seeing uh, Paul's heart in those letters. And you, you can read Paul. And I don't think you can do this with a lot of books. You can do this with some books. I think there's some authors, but when you read Paul, I always walk away just thinking, I just love him. You know, (laughs) I just, he, he's so courageous. He's so full of love and he's just a great role model. And I just appreciate his, his heart. And there's a person behind, you know, the, those, those, and you can see his tears, you know, as he's trying to defend himself in front of these people that he helped convert. <laughs> it's a tragic kind of letter. Anyway, I, I just love Paul. So that's my answer, uh, as well as Peter, John, Luke, <laughs> Isaiah. Yeah. And everybody else. And everyone else. Very good. All right. Final question. You are an artist. um, And do you prefer an impressionist style or a realist style? Oh, oh, wow. Um, It's totally just a taste thing, I guess. I mean, I can appreciate uh, both of those, both of those, certainly. But um, I love, I love when there's an impressionist and they can just capture with fewer brushstrokes. There's just a freshness to some of those paintings that I think is so beautiful. And so I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Yeah. If I could, if I could paint in any way, 
uh, I, I admire that the most and I would love to be able to do that. Yeah. And just thinking about a painting, the, the Bible is kind of like a painting where God has, has given us these beautiful brush strokes and yeah. you can focus on the details, but you can also step back and you can say, wow, the whole picture is so beautiful. And so thank you so much, Jerome, for helping us see that. And hopefully if someone is listening and they're curious about the Bible, they'll find some inspiration and encouragement to start reading it for themselves. Oh, I hope so too, Emerson. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a, a wonderful discussion. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jerome. Thank you for tuning in to Working with the Word today. I want to remind you to send in your suggestions for our Difficult Passages series. If there's a text you've been wrestling with, send it to us and we'll do our best to tackle it in a future episode. Also, please leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. As always, you can find and reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Working With The Word, on Instagram at workingwiththeword.podcast, or send us an email to workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. All one word, workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity.